Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! And welcome to You Haven't Seen This, the podcast where two siblings take you through nostalgic movies that only one of them has seen. I am your embodiment of Christmas past, Matt. And I am a little elf who loves herself some hot chocolate, Cassie. Hot chocolate, ta, 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 hoo-ha. So, Matthew, you are the one who has seen this movie, so please tell us what we're going to be watching today and tell us um, all the stuff you love about it. Yes, today we are going to be, in honor of the season, we're going to be looking at a lovely Christmas movie. We're going to look at The Polar Express from 2004. Ooh, very exciting. Yes, the Tom Hanks-led adaptation of the iconic picture book and just all-around Christmas classic. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch a Christmas movie. Yeah! It's Christmas, baby! It is! This is, like, one of the Christmas movies that I I haven't seen because we have kind of the classics that we, we watch as a family, but this isn't one of them, so I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's the hard thing, because um, I wanted to do, like, a hol- uh, holiday episode. I almost said Halloween. I wanted to do, like, a holiday episode. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, there are, like, ten Christmas movies that have stood the test of time, and we have both seen them each probably ten times. Yeah. And then there's, like, a ton of Christmas movies that come out every year that, like, no one remembers or cares about the year after. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, hard finding a middle ground that, like, okay, what's a movie one of us has seen and the other one hasn't that is, like, actually still decent? So we're doing the Polar Express, which is going to be fun. Very excited about this one. Yes. Cassie, what do you know about the Polar Express? Because I feel like even though you haven't seen the movie, I feel like you at least read or had the book read to you. So what do you remember is kind of the story of the Polar Express? I don't remember any of the story. I can just remember the memes. Okay, this is going to be really fun. Yeah, I I remember, I can remember um, hot chocolate. I can remember, what is it? It There's like a kid and he like, he's like really talkative and chatty. I think he's wearing like yellow or something. Yes, the, the kid with the glasses. Yeah, that kid. I remember there was like, there's the little girl who's wearing like I think like a pink dress or a nightgown or something like that and there's kind of the one shot of her kind of like hunched over kind of like half smiling at someone it's kind of all I can it's kind of all I know I just know the memes (laughs) I'm really Uh, flying blind on this one this is gonna be a real fun one I'm surprised I would have thought you'd have uh read it at grandma's because I think grandma has a copy of the picture book she might it might have been read to me or maybe i did read it but i have i would honestly believe that i didn't because i have zero recollection of the book and the only thing i can remember from the movie is like the memes so (laughs) yeah so i'll give just a quick overview of sort of the background and this story. So The Polar Express uh, originally is a children's book written and illustrated by Chris Van Allsburg. Uh, It was published in 1985. It is a Christmas classic. 
it is also a picture book. And that's important because it is extremely short. And that's kind of the main thing about this movie that's interesting that we're going to watch is the basic plot of the picture book. As with most books, just like there's not enough there to contain a like two hour movie. This is like hour 30, hour 40 or something. But there's just not enough there. So a lot of the memes come from stuff they've added. Then yeah, it's just, it's a fun time. I first saw this movie when it came out. I think I saw it in IMAX. Because <laughs> that, or maybe not when it came out, but I know for a while they were like pushing this with IMAX. Back when like IMAX theaters were more of a thing mm -hmm. i feel like you just can't find a good imax theater anywhere that isn't like a planetarium yeah so yeah saw that uh i i have not seen it in a while i remember it fondly but also kind of remember it in a looking back this was kind of silly for two main reasons one a lot of like you've said the meme worthy like stuff they added to get this movie to feature length and also the mocap animation that is very firmly rooted in the uncanny valley <laughs> it's a bit of a frightening looking movie which is very interesting considering the story is pure heart so i'm excited to watch this i don't really have a lot to say about it yeah, so I guess that because I have nothing to add, I haven't seen it before, and you're kind of done, I think uh, we're going to go take a little trip on the Polar Express, and we will be right back. See you around! Alrighty, we are back. We have taken a trip to the North Pole, and uh, we just finished watching Polar Express. That we certainly did. Cassie, what do you think about Polar Express? My general thoughts, it was really sweet. Like, it was a sweet, cute movie. I found it, like, just generally, like, very wholesome. Like, the kids were just, like, all, like, really sweet and, like, helpful and caring and the premise was was really nice. Yeah, I think without, you know, going into specifics, which we'll, we'll do in just a minute, but, like, overall, I liked the movie. It was, it was cute. It was definitely charming. I found it definitely charming. This time, I kind of felt like, man, this would be really good. If it was only, like, a 30-minute special, it felt just very long to me this time. And a lot of stuff got added that I'm like, okay, this is a thing, sure. Yeah, no, I didn't necessarily think that the runtime was, like, egregious. But I do agree with you that, like, it could have been trimmed back a little and the story wouldn't have felt unfinished. I think it's because, you know, the source material is so, you know, it's so small and sparse that there isn't really a huge central conflict or character arc that you're following super strongly over the whole scene. 
over the whole film, rather. So all the conflict is kind of a conflict for the scene, and then it's resolved in three minutes when the scene is ends, and then that's done. There's, like, a pause, and then there's a new conflict that's only, like, three minutes of scene, and then that's kind of how it felt to me. It honestly, like, a combination of that and some of the visuals and the general sort of animation quality, which we can dive into, this almost reminded me of, um, you know those 4D movies that they have at, like, theme parks? Yes. That's what this movie felt like in a lot of places. Especially the kind of middle portion when they're on top of the train a lot, and they're at the front of the train, or they're sort of climbing around it, or especially that, like, obvious like roller coaster scene yeah it felt very like i should be moving and shaking and getting like little water spritzed in my face like that's i see why this did well in imax because that's kind of the experience no yeah i i i definitely agree with that i think it makes a what you're saying makes a lot of sense and like yeah i could see it as like the the 4d like the sea is rumbling around and you're getting water splash in your face and you know it starts snowing and stuff like that like I could definitely see that being not even just working for this film but like almost being like what it was meant for yeah that's that's kind of where I was falling it's like this was almost too much movie for what they were going for at least for me I felt the pacing was a little long at some times when they finally get to the north pole I kind of looked and was like, how is there half the movie left? Cause, okay, same. Yeah, like, getting to the North Pole in a movie where the whole thing is like, and we're going to get to the North Pole, it's like, yeah, this is your act three. This is where we're kind of wrapping things up, and then there will be a little ending of, you know, we go back home and we actually wrap that up, but that's our, like, very, very end. So it's like, we get there, it's like, there's half, the movie left like what are we doing in the north pole and it turns out nothing really actually we're just kind of running around yeah no yeah i I totally agree do we want to talk about any specifics i i took notes during this movie for for things to bring up so first we've talked about we've jumped all the way to act three let's let's give a quick rundown of what the plot is for people who don't know okay yeah so polar express is um we open on a little kid opening his eyes very suddenly in bed um side note whenever people do that in movies i always think of that meme where super bass starts playing (laughs) (laughs) so right off the bat my first note is just super bass this now i'm oh this would be a much better musical if it was on Nicki minaj songs it would be certainly much different I do think better could be good. But yeah, so we open on this little kid. We keep, sorry, we keep hot chocolate. Everything else is a Nikki song. Oh no, absolutely. Nikki needs a verse in hot chocolate though. (laughs) She needs to have one. But yeah, we open up on this little kid. And it's Christmas Eve, and he's kind of, you know, awake. He's he's in bed, but he's awake, and he hears his parents getting his sister down to bed, and she's talking about, like, 
the stuff that he had told her about like you know Santa not being real and then we learn that this kid is like a not only does he not believe in Santa Claus but he's like a Santa truther like he has he's got like these like folders of like mall Santas going on strike and like how nothing can live in the North Pole and just all of this information and it felt very much like corkboard with the pins and the red string between them. He's very facts and logic about it. This kid this kid is a Santa truther at least at the beginning of the film. Very facts and logic. It's it's the thing that comes up a lot in kids' media about Christmas. It's like, well, how can Santa be real? There's always a scene in everything that just is the little kid being like, how can Santa be real if... And trying to facts and logic Santa when this is a movie we know Santa's just going to show up and be like, I'm magic. Next. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of magic. Speaking of magic, we have that scene at the beginning and then... There's this whole commotion and the kid runs outside and he sees that there's a train in front of his house and he meets the Tom Hanks conductor and he decides to come on board the train because they're going to the North Pole. And so he goes on board the train. He, he meets some people there. That little kid with um, in the blonde kid with the glasses mm-hmm. who had the yellow shirt on. I was like, no rights for this guy. <laughs> we've all known at least one but in actuality several children and adults who are like that kid the know-it-all who wants you to know that he knows everything and will just tell you yes we've all been that kid at one point in our lives but we've also known that kid to much greater extents And that's, I think, why we hate that kid is because at some level we have also all been that kid and it's a cringe, like, oh god, that was me. Oh no, absolutely. We we dislike that child for a multitude of reasons and a lot of them are very introspective. Yeah. So our main little hero boy gets on the train and in the book, it's like then two pages just saying, and then we took the Polar Express to the North Pole. In the movie, it's the next hour. Yep. And they pick up another kid. After his stop, they pick up another kid. Um, and he sits in a different train car. Not sure why. I don't think they ever really explained that. I have so many thoughts about this child. Yeah. we will get back to him. Uh, he sits... So, the... The plot, honestly, we can speed up because it's a lot of just, like, small scenes that don't necessarily build into each other. Yeah, at this point in the movie, it's then just kind of, like, having all of these wacky hijinks until we get to the North Pole. So basically, it's then just, like, things happen with the kids' tickets on the train. And then, you know, the train gets out of control in kind of a couple different ways, but they're able to, you know get it back on track and all that so we can skip like you know 45 minutes of the movie yeah it's all action set pieces they're on top of the train and then they're on the ice and then they're driving the train and then there's the ghost hobo yeah okay speaking of him because you said on top of the train so i wanted to mention him i just wanted to say i i I wrote this note kind of when he first showed up but None of the adults in this movie know how to talk to children. 
like I was just kind of like just kind of like listening to them talk and it was just always a little off like I think they were they were all talking to them as if they were at least a couple years older than they actually were and I was like you gotta tone it down a little bit you can't just you can't use as much sarcasm yet you can't be as joking yet like still needs to be a little needs to be toned down just a tad well but cassie child cassie it's they're not actual adults talking to actual children they're metaphors for the stages in your believing in santa oh dang you right (laughs) this is very like (laughs) this is very like you know, like, your your five stages of grief. This is, like, your five stages of believing in Santa. Oh, my gosh. Not the five stages of grief. Oh, um, my goodness. So, yeah, there's all this going on. Then you get to the North Pole. And no Which one's again, there. you think would be... You think the North Pole would be, like, okay, cool. We've got, like, 15 minutes left in this movie. Tops. No. It's a 45. It's 45 minutes. Yes. They get to the North Pole, and no one's there, because they're all waiting to see Santa. And why? Oh, it's because the Billy, who is the, like, only named kid in the movie, um, who's the poor kid they picked up, is like, oh, I don't want to go see Santa. So main boy and main girl go back to, like, convince him to come see Santa. And then more hijinks ensue, and they kind of go through the back alley and you see like the inner workings of how Santa gets ready for Christmas and then they wind up seeing Santa and like at this point is like the actual ending of the book mm-hmm. where like like in there the main boy is chosen he gets to get the first gift of Christmas and he asks for one of the bells on Santa's sleigh because their magic, and they only ring to those who believe. I gotta say, that part was really cute. Like, when he got, when he could hear the bell, and when he asked for the bell, that was a really cute moment. I was like, aww, baby. Yeah, that is very sweet. It was very sweet. It was, I, I really liked that part. I was like, aww. Very much having that, like, big sister, or like, your older cousin kind of vibe, kind of like, still believe in santa that's so sweet like definitely that that's what i felt yeah and then they go back to the north pole he thinks he loses the bell but turns out santa's just like hey you left it on my sleigh you should fix that hole in your pocket kid and then there's the little epilogue that's like eventually everyone else couldn't hear the bell even my little kid sister but i still hear it and it rings true for all those who still believe. And I was like, okay, that's a that's a cute ending. That's a very cute ending for this film. That's just kind of generally quite wholesome. And it's about kind of, you know, the power of believing and kind of, you know, stuff like that. I was like, you know what? This is this is cute. I appreciate this. Yeah, that's why this book and this movie have stuck around for so long. It's because it is, you know, it... There's such weird stuff around kind of the tradition of Santa Claus that it a little it is a little odd. It's like a massive lie we collectively tell all the kids. And yet there is a kind of sadness from our perspective as, you know, more adults when 
the kid finally like grows up and is like yeah i know santa's not real yeah that definitely yeah that's a good way of putting it like we all kind of you know we is it spoiler um we kind of know that santa isn't real um oh yeah hi spoiler if you're like five and listening to this podcast uh yeah sorry about that go talk to your mom and dad um (laughs) sorry you had to hear it from me um but yeah it's like that's a great way to put it like we kind of all know this but it's kind of sad when you see someone younger than you realize it it's like because i think it's also like it's one of those like cultural markers of like growing up and so it's kind of you know your family members will always talk about like you've gotten so tall or you're in what grade in school and you know that's always kind of you know shocking to them that you know you're growing up but I think like you not believing in Santa Claus anymore is kind of one of those earlier like cultural markers of you growing up and so then it's kind of like oh, they're not, they're not a little kid anymore. And that's kind of sad from an adult perspective to see the, the kids in your life um, kind of go through that because that means they're growing up. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a loss of innocence. It reminds me, there's a great book by Terry Pratchett called Hogfather, which is like my favorite Christmas or Christmas adjacent thing. That has the point, kind of, that it's like, why do we believe in Santa? And the point that he makes in that book is, well, you believe in Santa and the Tooth Fairy and, you know, things like that. When you're little, they're the little lies that get you to believe, that get you ready to believe in the big lies, that there's a fundamental right way things should be, that there's, like, a justice and order and the universe isn't completely random. And... I, it, it's, you know, it's the myth that we have to believe just to, like, put on our shoes and go about our day, and that resonates, and I think that's part of what this is trying to say is, like, well, I don't know, it always muddies when it's, like, believing in Santa when Santa is, like, a verifiable fact, Mm -hmm. as always in Christmas movies, but this kind of if I'm looking at it more on, like, a metaphor level, it's, like, you can still believe in, like, that innocence and that goodness and that, you know, you can still have the fun that you had when you were a little kid, even if, you know, in your logical brain, yeah, maybe Santa isn't real, but, like, emotionally, it's Christmas time. Maybe Santa is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least in your heart. Yeah. That was kind of a a really thoughtful, kind of sad conversation. Let's talk about the hot chocolate scene. (laughs) Yes. The scene that comes out of nowhere. I I forget this movie, like, isn't a musical, considering that musical number is, like, one of the most recognizable things about it. Yep. And just all of a sudden, he's just like... Hey kids, you want some hot chocolate? And they're all like, oh yeah! And then out come the Hello Dolly waiters. Literally. Just full like, cha 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 Hey, hey! It's like, what? I think that's 
I mean, that scene is infinitely entertaining. It was so chaotic, and it brought me so much joy seeing it. It's so chaotic, and... Uh... Physics does not exist in that scene. And no, I'm not it... even talking like, oh, well, they wouldn't be able to do the hot chocolate like that and stuff like that. I'm also talking like the way that like the chefs and the waiters move. Because it's not even like, oh, well, you wouldn't be able to do the backflips because that's super hard. It, it's like, no, you're moving just kind of slightly too slow for the backflips. <laughs> and it's just, it's that uncanny valley that just tripped me out just a little bit. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the animation in this because it is that motion capture, like, just do it and we'll add it in post. But then when they start defying physics like that, it just breaks it even more. Yeah, no. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I loved it, though. I, I did. I, I really don't know what else to say. It was just great. And it was, it was just... It was so chaotic. It comes out of nowhere. It is so chaotic. And then they just kind of just like buffalo their way on out. Like they just like, they buffalo their way on out. They take off their tap shoes and ne are never seen again. And never seen or heard from again. It's never brought up. It's never mentioned. On the way home, they aren't like, do you guys want some cookies and they bring out a different set of waiters no it's just do you want hot chocolate on the way there yeah if one kid had asked for water on the way back they would have been like nah man our waiters are off for the night they would have been uh thrown off of the train oh my gosh i thought that tom hanks killed a child <laughs> this movie is surprisingly really dark it is I really one of my notes is one of my notes is quote Tom Hanks really killed a child huh end quote <laughs> it I it just is really dark in a weird way it like I guess because it's so magical realist I'm like half my brain is going there's no way any of these kids are dead and the other half is going these kids are absolutely on a murder train <laughs> no absolutely and also okay my thing and I get it. They're supposed to, they're children, so I don't expect them to be logical, like, as characters. But I'm just kind of, like, when she didn't have her ticket, and so he, like, sends her to, like, I don't know, be thrown off the back of the train or whatever. The lit, I was just kind of like, wait, but he, but the ticket's magic. And also, he saw her beforehand. This is not, like, the first time. She was on the train before the last two kids got on. Yeah. He, so she's been... He brought her on the train. This whole thing is... uh. And it's not like there are so many people on the train that, like, he would forget. Yeah, they're taking, like, a dozen kids. Yeah, it's like... I've been on field trips with more children on it than this. Yeah, it's probably, like, a dozen kids or so. There's four we care about and maybe, like, no more than 12 just kind of in the background of the few group shots. Exactly, yeah. So I'm just kind of like, you let her on the train. She is one of 12, 16 children. You, kn you know her. And, like, I guess it, like, 
it then, you know, leads to other stuff, you know, it leads to her, you know, being a leader and stuff like that and, and whatever, because she kind of helps out with the train, um, helps, you know, drive it, but I'm just kind of like, Tom Hanks really killed a child, huh? This, that conductor is like the least likable Tom Hanks has ever been. Yeah. And, and that's saying a lot because Tom Hanks is like every adult male in this movie. Yes. So like the conductor is somehow worse than the ghost hobo or well, I guess the other two aren't really on screen for any appear any amount of time to be unlikable. But he was just like really mean in a weird way. I'm like, I get you're the weird trickster god of this world, but like, dude, chill out. Yeah, it was like he his character was like I won't even say like it was like tough love or anything like that because it wasn't the kind of like you know when you when you think tough love it's like oh you know it's some type of punishment or whatever so you know you learn some lesson it was just like he was kind of sarcastic kind of I don't know I guess like a little I don't want to say uptight that's the only word that's coming to mind um he was just a jerk all of that but then at the end, it was kind of the, like, nudge and a wink, and it was like, oh, you know, it, it was kind of like a, you'll thank me for this later kind of thing. Like This was all to teach you a lesson. Yeah, kind of that. Um, the hot chocolate number, though, he really, he was singing out them notes. He <laughs> said, he said, never, ever let it cool. Never. never. This was actually Tom Hanks' audition for Mamma Mia. He was going to be the Pierce Brosnan, but then they saw this and were like, mm, let's go with someone else. And they were like, they don't, they don't drink hot chocolate in Greece. We can't. We can't do it. We can't do it. <sighs> yeah. Let's circle back to the, that lessons learned thing. Because there's, mm-hmm. uh, there's a motif in this with the tickets that they're like, oh, here's your ticket. And when they go, he hole punches uh, two letters into the ticket and then... When they're getting on the ticket on the train back, he hole punches uh, the rest of the word out, and it's like, "Here's the thing, you were supposed to learn." So the main character gets believe, and the know it all gets learn as like learn to shut up, kid. Mm-hmm. And the girl gets lead, but then the other boy they bring on, Billy, gets like count on, like count on your friends, and there's a whole thing of like. You just needed to make friends and make sure everything is all right. And I'm just, I feel like they didn't know what, he was the weakest of all the subplots they tried to do. Because, like, he's very clearly poor. Mm-hmm. Like, way poorer than the rest of the kids. They pull up to his house. I think one of the kids goes like, oh, we're going to the other side of the tracks. And they pull up yeah. and it's just like, like, maybe two-room house, mm-hmm. like, in the middle of nowhere. And then they have a whole song where it's just, like, the girl is like, isn't Christmas great? And he's just like, I don't know, I've never had a Christmas. And she kind of acts like, oh, this means you've never heard of Christmas before. And it's, I kind of wanted to be like, no, hon, it's because he's poor and has never been able to afford it. Yeah. I definitely thought that, yeah, of all the subplots, it was the weakest, but I I kind of thought that 
what they were trying to go for was less of a like see you just needed to make friends and more of a like because I think like his whole thing was like he never felt like he could that like you know Christmas and Santa and all these ideals were not reliable because he had always been let down and so him making friends and believing in Santa and kind of all that stuff shows that like you know he doesn't have to try and be so independent especially at this this young age he's a literal child um and like you know it's okay to count on people because they will be there for you i guess it i think it was i could see that that they were doing but like definitely the girl being a leader and stuff like that um those were more compelling than than his it was definitely not handled well and there's an unfortunate thing in like santa media where it's like we're gonna just make santa real but not change anything else in the world like there's there's a weird disconnect no yeah when the world is supposed to be very like this is our world except santa's real nothing else has changed yeah no it's definitely that and like we never saw that like what his present was but I don't think I don't necessarily think that detracts from everything because it wasn't the contents of the present that was important. It was like the fact that he got one and he could rely on people. He could rely on his peers and the adults in his life to, you know, be there. Um, but I'm just like, what was what was in the present? Also, I was very much like, child, let go of the present is is gonna get delivered to you. <laughs> When they're in the when exactly, in the, it's yeah, like, when it's give me your hand. No, it's the first present I've ever gotten, baby. It's like don't open till Christmas, dude. It is it is eleven fifty five Christmas Eve. You're gonna get it in like eight hours. Yeah, it's like honey bunches. You're you're gonna be okay. You can let go of the present, baby. Baby, it's all right. You can give it. You can give it to the elves. I want to talk about the elves real quick. I want to talk about the elves too. Why were they all New Jersey mobsters? Every single one of them. And then I saw them partner dancing at the end, and they didn't make the female elves look any different. They just had added one curly cue of hair in the back, and they were like, a woman. <laughs> She's a woman! Yeah, and they were like, okay, women, <laughs> we're done. On to the next terrifying frame of this movie. <laughs> there are no female elves. There are elves, and there are elves in drag. There are, no, 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 it's not even elves in drag. There are elves and then elves with, like, a rat tail. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but just, like, every other adult is, like, Tom Hanks. Or it's the, like, train conductors who are just rednecks. Yeah. And then you get to the North Pole, and it's just, like, three-foot-tall Tony Sopranos. Yeah. Just like, hey, kid, what do you want from me? It's Christmas. Yeah, no, there is definitely that. Speaking of... Um, who made that Who made that creative choice? I want to talk. I just want to talk. I have that question about a lot of creative choices in this movie. Speaking on the elves more, um, their rendition of Santa Claus is Coming to Town was very cult-like. <sighs> of... All the songs to welcome your beneficent, godlike, omniscient leader. The one that starts, you better watch out. 
Yeah, that one was um, uh, that that one was uh, interesting. Yeah, and the fact that it is just acapella, slow. You better watch out. I I did not like it. I'll it tell was you that. So bad. Yeah. These were the worst Christmas elves in any media. No, absolutely. 100%. And also Santa, um, he kind of sounded like, he, I don't know what they're called, but like when they're trying to protect someone's identity and they'll like scramble their voice and like make it really like low pitched. Witness protection Santa. I kind of got witness protection Santa from this movie. Oh my God. Because it is just Tom Hanks, but like Tom Hanks is already used his normal voice and the one other voice he can use for the conductor in the ghost hobo mm-hmm. so i guess he was trying to be jolly but it did just sound like tom hanks with like a weird cold yeah no yeah absolutely so what are your overall thoughts of this i am struggling to remember if i even liked this movie at any point the movie was cute i thought it was endearing i i definitely think that if this movie were on i might stick around and watch parts of it it was but yeah it was really cute it was a nice christmas film i think i would definitely read the story to kids um i'm not sure if i would really be able to get them to sit through this hour and a half hour 45 i forget how long it was the film, or if I would want to sit through it with them again. But there are certainly moments that were cute and that I liked, and I generally liked the overall kind of moral and stuff like that. So, I mean, it gets a thumbs up in my book. It's a, I think it's a nice addition to your Christmas film repertoire, but um, it's not, it's not my new favorite. Yeah, I think I'm on the same boat as you. I think I come down with the story of the book is very good and a classic for good reason. And when the movie is hitting that same plot and tone, it works. But the stuff that they had to add to make it feature length is more missed than hit in my book. Except so, for hot chocolate. Yeah, that slaps. <laughs> stream, I, I, stream hot chocolate. Featuring Nicki Minaj on iTunes. (laughs) Yeah, uh, turn off this podcast and then go listen to Hot Chocolate on repeat. (laughs) Yeah, stream it, get a VPN, stream it again. Yeah, I think those are my final thoughts. Read the book, it's great. Watch the movie if you want, but also you're not missing much. Yeah, you can just, you can enjoy the memes without seeing the film. Yeah, you really can. Yeah. Although we need to meme the ghost hobo more. That is a missed opportunity, I'll tell you that. Why is the meme just glasses kid and hot chocolate when there's a whole ass ghost hobo just right there? We will have to make some some memes to fill that void. I guess I'll just have to do it myself. Send us your best ghost hobo memes. Please do. That'll be your Christmas gift to us. Yes. As this was our Christmas gift to you. You're welcome. Well, that concludes this podcast and our conversation on the Polar Express. 
I hope that all of you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yes, Happy Holidays to everyone out there. Uh, from the bottom of our hearts, I am going to get a little schmaltzy right now, which I can because it's a Christmas episode and you're allowed to do that. But this is like one of the first episodes that Cassie and I are recording after we've uploaded some episodes. And I just want to say thank you. The response from folks has been great so far. Um, and we're really excited to share the rest of these with you and make some more. It's really great from the bottom of my heart. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year to everyone out there.